ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Hey, what is up, everyone? This week on the Send Podcast, we bring to you probably one of the most motivational and inspiring podcasts that we have ever done and maybe will ever do on the podcast. We met up with a guy called Tony Giles, who is a world traveller. We met up with him for the day in southwest England. And me and Chris travelled down and meet up with him. He has visited over 125 countries and all seven continents of the world so far. But Tony is no regular traveller. He has done this all without sight. Tony was actually born with a rare eye condition. And at the age of nine, he completely lost all of his vision. And despite being blind and 80% deaf in both ears as well, nothing can hold Tony back. And he also plans on travelling to every country in the world. This was honestly such an inspiring podcast. And I think this will also inspire a lot of you. I know you will enjoy it. And just before we jump with this podcast, I wanted to bring a bit of attention to our Patreon page. Thank you so much to all the current Patrons and people also who have donated as well for our donation option. It really means so much. And if you can, please consider supporting us through those channels as well. Patreon and the one-off donation option really is the best way to help us keep doing what we're doing to bring you the most amazing conversations on the planet. I know you're going to love this podcast. It's such an inspiring one. And I'm sure it will send shivers over your spine. Enjoy this podcast with Tony Giles. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It really is a pleasure to to meet you as well in person. Mm. Um, but you've so you've been basically traveling the world solo, and I think it's really it really is really inspiring. I think a lot of people are going to be very much inspired by your journey as well. Yeah. Um, but just straight away to start this because a lot of people um, are going to be saying, "How does a blind person travel the world solo by themselves?" What would you say to them? Um. I basically say it can be done. You need to do your research, you need to plan it and find good contacts on the internet, people you can stay with and sort of that's how I did it. I started with, um, I started when I was young, travelling around the UK with a friend and then I went to the States by myself. So I started with countries where I could speak the language and I more or less knew the infrastructure. So uh, it was relatively easy to travel around and then as I built up my confidence and then I went um, to more difficult countries like Vietnam and Thailand um, 
but I just relied on um, my ability to, to communicate with people and talk to people. And even if I couldn't find people who spoke English in Vietnam and Thailand, I found someone who'd speak a little bit of their language and a little bit of my language. And that's that's how I do it, really. And that's how I started. And when I started traveling, when I was 15, 16, 17, um, it was just, it wasn't this big idea to travel around the world. It was just an adventure. It was just like going to rock concerts, staying in youth hostels in, in England, and then um, backpacking and stuff, and sort of visit, visiting interesting places like museums and um, castles and stuff. And then I got the chance to study in the States in 2000. So I went to South Carolina for four months and I had all the support um, for the university, you know, specialist equipment to study. And so that gave me more confidence. And then all my friends went down to Florida for spring break and I thought, oh, they're not going to let me drink and party. So I thought, oh, I'll go to New Orleans by myself. So I got the teachers to help me book a flight and book a hostel. And then I um, I just asked the hostel staff, um, like, how do I get down to Bourbon Street, the main street? And then I um, says, oh, yeah, you go down the steps, you turn left, you walk two blocks, find a, a tram and go into the city. So I oh, fine, that's easy enough to do. Yeah. Um, so I walked outside. It was, I don't know, 90% humidity, really hot, like, 30, almost 30 Celsius, and I just panicked. I was like, what was I, 22 years old, totally blind, partially deaf in both ears, and I sort of like, I'm totally blind. How can I get around this city I've never been to? It's like, oh, man. So I took some deep breaths and said to myself, Tony, this is what you want. This is the challenge. If you don't want it, go home. So I took another deep breath, turned left, walked up the street, cut the blocks, asked a few people, oh, where's the tram stop? Guy helped me on, went down to Bourbon Street and had a blast. Oh. I never looked back. Wow. And I've been doing it ever since for the last 20 years. I love that, by the way. Yeah, 20, man. That is an absolutely incredible story. Yeah. How... And, and that just sort of goes to show that any anyone can do whatever their challenge is. And for a lot of people, disabled or not, the biggest challenge is getting out the front door. Not going around the world doing crazy things like I do, but just getting out the front door and facing the you know the same obstacles day in day out going down the street you know facing the public that that can be big challenges for people but um hopefully my story sort of shows that they can overcome those challenges I mean, and those di difficulties i mean to only you a lot of people will class what you have what you've got at them currently your disability they will class that as like the worst kind of suffering possible and they would isolate themselves into their own mind and their own cave and yeah. live a life of complete solitude away from everyone and begin this pity party in their own mind. But you've completely, it's like thrived in it. It's like you've completely pushed yourself beyond like what's limitations, whatever you have in your mind. Is there anything yeah. that you feel like limit, limits you? Yeah, my, my uh, you know, I, I've always been to sort of forced to challenge myself and to, um, you know, tackle different situations, and yeah, you get you get problems on the road traveling, and people, you know, rob you, and you, I've had cameras taken and stuff. But it's it's just part of life, and you get on with it. And uh, it was more difficult when I was a teenager and stuff because I was I was dealing with having two disabilities, being young, being a teenager, and the hormones and all that, all those issues, and yeah. and that was the toughest part, really. Um, and then I managed to sort of solve those issues through traveling and through meeting other people from different cultures and 
and experiencing how, how they live. You know, you're going to Africa with no running water and no electricity and, you know, not proper beds to sleep in and etc. Kids run around naked and stuff like that teaches you that, you know, yeah, I'm blind and I'm deaf, but I've got, you know, all the privilege in the world. I turn a tap on, I've got running water, I flick a switch, I've got electricity and, it, you know, you don't think about it here and it's... So I know how lucky I am, despite the challenges that I face day in, day out. And, you know, I just say to others, that, you know, it may seem difficult, it may seem impossible in your mind, and it may be a struggle, but, you know, one day at a time, one foot forward at a time, it can be done, you know. Whatever those challenges are, they can be overcome. I think it's, I think it's imperative what you were saying there to actually tell everyone how much of a, a state of gratitude is what you live in. It's like sort of being blessed for what you do have instead of focusing on what you do yeah. not have. Yeah. <clears throat> I started slowly. I didn't, I didn't decide I'd wake up one day, but I'm going to travel around the world. I, I wanted to go to the States because it was different and I heard about it. And, and then I wanted to go to Australia and New Zealand because they were countries I liked. And, um, you know, I did sort of crazy stuff and bungee jumped and had a laugh and met people and share a few beers and, and then once, you know, I was confident with that and that was those those challenges overcome, I sort of slowly over the years expanded the um, more difficult countries I wanted to go to and then, um, you know, and that's how I did it. And then by travelling more and more, I've met more and more people and different people and, and learnt from their situations and just sort of, I just broke everything down and keep it simple. Yeah. And I think sometimes people overcomplicate things and, how many countries have you actually visited now? So, um, well, depending on what you call a country, and the UN has got a list of official official uh, sovereign countries of 193, and out of that list of the UN, the United Nations, I've been to 114. Wow. And then I've got my own list, of sort of like the Falkland Islands and the Faroes, Greenland, which are not officially classed as countries. So I've done all together, I've done 132 countries. And I've also been to all seven continents of the world, including Antarctica. Um, I did a cruise from the bottom of South America in 2011. Mm -hmm. um, spent two days on a ship, four course meals, three <laughs> times a day, um, scientific lectures, it was fascinating. And then we get down there and they've got these rubber, rubber inflatable boats and they get about 12 people on them and then zoom off to an island and hear penguins talking and laughing and. I was lucky enough to hear a whale blow alongside the ship. That was pretty incredible. Yeah, that's cool. It's a humpback whale. Went, oh, wow. Yeah, that's cool. Eh? And smelt seals. And um, I touched, lucky enough to touch whale bones washed up on the beach and um, penguin eggs and all this kind of stuff. Sat on icebergs and places. Wow. So I spent nine days doing that. It was pretty cool, yeah. It was the most amazing thing I've done, I think. That's cool. What is it about a country that actually makes you want to go to a certain country? Um, well, it's the challenge of getting there. So it's the challenge always of getting from A to B. Um, is it public transport? Is it taxis? Um, and then sort of experiencing the country. It's the culture. So obviously a lot of people go and see a country and look at the vistas and the views. I can't do that, obviously. So I want to walk everywhere and touch everything. Um, but without people, you don't have a country. So in the end, it's about meeting the people and learning about their culture, yeah. eating their food, hearing their music, finding out how they live in live day day in, day out, how they survive, how they cope. Um, that's what it's all about. 
Which which country would you say has has broadened your horizon the most on life when you meet um, these people? New Zealand's probably my favourite country still. I say, yeah, I still say it's my favourite country. Um, I think because it reminds me of the UK quite a lot. It rains a lot there, and it's quite cold and damp. And the the nature's similar. So I walked in the mountains and in the forests and along the coast. So it's it's very similar to the UK in some way. But the people are really friendly really relaxed. I spent two months in Australia and that was cool and uh, really good people, very positive, but after two months there I sort of got, sort of, sort of felt a bit of people that sort of get a bit in your face from time to time. So I went to New Zealand and I just even more relaxed. Um, well, I tend to like cold countries, so Argentina and Chile, especially in the south and Patagonia. And again, there's lots of sort of exciting stuff to do, glaciers and icebergs. I went to this one iceberg in um, southern Argentina called Moreno and you can sit there and listen to it cracking because the sun's melting the ice and it's growing. So there's (laughs) all these cracks, there's ice dropping into the water. So that's quite cool. And then I went up to sort of north Argentina-Brazil border and there's a big waterfall called um, Iguazu. It's um, one of the widest in the world and you can get right on top of it. So... um, that was really cool as well because I could hear it crashing, the water crashing over the um, escarpment and got the spray in my face. So that was pretty amazing. That's cool. So yeah, things like that is what I kind of like to do when I'm travelling. And then um, probably Indonesia and Turkey for the people. I find them really friendly. I enjoy the food. Um, so yeah, all sorts of different countries, different experiences. Um, probably my least favourite is, is Italy. I find that Italian's pretty difficult to get on with. And like, you ask for directions and you just point. It's like, oh, that's great. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay. And um, oh, yeah, I had it my girlfriend and she can speak quite good Italian and it's, we still struggle. So, so whether it's just the fact that they're not used to blind people or just, I don't know. But, but yeah, most of the countries I've been looking at to visit, visit have been really good experiences. Yeah. You said before about the challenge is... is is that the most thing that you love about travelling? Is it the challenge of trying to get to a certain place? Yeah, that's yeah. the goal. It's good. You wake up each morning and think, well, where are we going today? How are we going to get to this remote village or up it. this mountain? And, uh, and then it's about asking people. And and the thing about travelling when you don't plan it, you know, I plan sort of where I want to go to, but I don't sort of book everything. It's just, it's, you never know who you're going to meet on the road or what's going to happen or you, you you're travelling in Africa, you know, you're guaranteed to break down at least two or three times. So that's that's the kind of wonderful thing about travelling is the unknown things that happen. Yeah. What What's the process? Because obviously we've got all these different maps around us, which are really incredible. Yeah, so um, when I was young, I went to a specialist school uh, of children with blind and visually impaired in Coventry. Um, and I, I board there for six weeks, eight weeks, and I'd come home. And then at school, I had these maps um, made by the... Royal National Institute for the Blind, and that's sort of plastic. So um, it's the continents, so continents North America, South America, um, Asia, Australasia, and the, the seas are smooth and the oceans is all smooth with the lines, the longitude and latitude lines, and then the landmass is slightly raised up, the rivers are indented lines, and there's a dot marking the major cities, and then Braille abbreviations next to that dot, and you'd have a booklet. So in the US, you'd have... Los Angeles would be LA and San Francisco would be SS and I could feel the braille next to the dots and then so that would give me a general idea of what the world looked like when I was 14, 15, 16 and then by doing that I learned about the states and also 
through my education, reading books and listening to the radio. And um, that's how I learned about the US and Australia. I learned about Australia and New Zealand largely from listening to cricket on the radio. Oh. So I heard about Sydney and Melbourne and all these amazing places. And then um, my mum's also made me maps of some of the other countries and continents. Um, she uses like an orange kind of glue and she draws around the border lines. And then she puts a dot for the major cities and I put braille abbreviations next. And it gives me an idea where the, all the countries are. Um, so it enables me to plan my trips. And then I get on the internet, on, on my laptop, and I use a screen reading software called JAWS, which allows me to read the internet, read my emails. So then I go onto the website and I go Lonely Planet and say I want to visit Durham. I'll put in Durham Lonely Planet and it'll read about the information, where it is, how to get there, by plane, train, bus, etc. And then I'll go onto another website and I'll look up hostels, because I started travelling in hostels when I was 15, 16, so we stay in shared accommodation, six, eight, ten strangers in a room, and that's how I got to meet people, and so I was like, oh, right, you're going to that place, can I join you, and I make friends, and that's how I sort of travelled, and I got information, word of mouth, and then after I found out what accommodations are available, I can book it on, on the internet, or I can get help, get, get my mum and my sister to help me book flights, because... Um, Flight company websites are not great. Uh, they're really difficult for blind people. So so I get my, my family to help me do that. And then I, um, I look at uh, what places I want to visit. So the museums with audio guides or castles or um, stuff like that. And then um, read about it on, on the internet. And then um, off I go and go to the airport. And um, to get from my place to the airport, um, I had to book assistance on a train and then I get go to the train station and then I get staff put me on the train, help me off at the other end and put me on the next train. And then when I get to the airport, the, the staff assist me up into the airport and I go to the ticket counter the air company I'm flying with and I can book assistance in advance for disabled people. And they, they take me through the airport, immigration, customs, take me to the gate. When it's time for me flight, they put me on, on the plane and then when I get to my destination at the other end, the same happens again, someone meets me, takes me through immigration and customs, and then I go out and I write, I want a taxi to my accommodation or I research where I can get a public bus. And if I'm going to foreign countries, and not, obviously everyone doesn't speak English, so I try and learn a few lang uh, words. Of the, you know, If I go to South America, so I learn a bit of Spanish and how to say hello, thank you, water, toilet, and then just go from there, really. And that's how I'm... So planet, and then I ask people, "Oh, where have you been? Oh, I went to this amazing waterfall. You should go there." I was like, "Don't go there, Tony. It's not an interesting place." And that's how I sort of travelled in the early days before there was much internet. Wow, I love that. So when you go to these different countries and things like that, obviously you're not seeing these places. But what's this? How could you actually try and describe what the sense is when you when you're walking around? And is it the sounds? Is it, is it you said before well, you were touching certain things? But is it is it the sounds that you love of the places? Yes, it's it's just a combination of the sound and the smell. So, um, like last year, I went to um, I went to Jerusalem in Israel, which is obviously a famous city, and they've got the history and the and the religious culture. And so I walked in the old city and. Um, but you could feel the cobbles under my feet, and then yeah. I noticed I was going downhill. The gradient changed, and then I got into the centre of the ancient city, and I could um, I could hear people bartering for goods in um, Arabic and um, in Hebrew, 
and, and English and we felt the buzz of the atmosphere, lots of people talking and um, people shouting, buy this, buy that, and mm-hmm. all the smell of onions, spices and meats cooking. And then I, um, I wanted to go to this famous church um, to do with um, um, Christianity. So I went, asked the guy, how do I get to this famous church? And then he took me to the top of these steps and then you go down this narrow street and then at the bottom turn left. So I started walking down these these steps and they're really narrow and made of, probably made of marble. It's so slippery, like walking on glass. And it got narrower and narrower and they were like bumping into bags and people and stalls and um, I felt different objects on the open stalls. And so it was like a really narrow marketplace and I got further down and I could smell onions cooking and other spices and uh, it was all the hill, hear all the hustle and bustle and then eventually got down the way it was flat and it got the space opened up so I could tell it was different I could tell it was possibly like a crossroads or a bigger open space it could have been like a square and then I just asked some local people oh which way is it to the church and they said oh go left and and then someone sort of guided me out of um out of the way a motorbike that came sort of passing through and I'm like, oh right this is fun and I carried on walking and I, I could sense there were more and more people building up and it's like getting more crowded so I thought oh I must be going the right right direction to this famous church and then and then just before I got like to the entrance it got really busy and and then a, a local guy come up to me and said you going to the church yeah and so he was sort of pushing me through the crowd and telling people like get out of the way and yeah. I got into this church and it was wicked. I could smell um, incense from the candles and I could hear the echoes. I could tell it was a big building that was inside. And more and more people, it was really packed, really busy. And then I managed to get through. Like, I could, it was really hot because all the people. And um, I, I found a tour guide. I sort of, sort of stood next to him listening to what he was saying. So... I joined this tour group without paying. That's quite good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's always right. always good when you get something for free. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's what I do. In a lot of places, I, I look up and are there other city walking tours I can join and you know get information for free or sometimes we pay and and like I know when I go to places I try and get audio guides or tour guides and I research all about it beforehand because like when most people go travelling they, they, they can see. And like, oh, what are we going to do today? They can flick through a magazine or a book. Ah, oh, we'll go this place. Or I can't do that. So I, I need to have the information beforehand. And then, and then I go and I just absorb the atmosphere and, the, you know, listen to the people and the smells. And the first time I went to Thailand, it was most amazing because it was like this sudden impact on all my all my senses. Like, I get out of the airport and it stinks. It's humid. It's like the heat from the sewers and, you know. Um, and it's long drive from the airport to the city centre and constant honking horns and um, cars and tuk-tuks were sort of mm. weaving in and out. It's really chaotic. And this is the first time I'd been um, outside a sort of westernised, modernised country. So it was completely differently and a real impact, a real eye-opener. And, um, what was oh, it? Wow. What was it you learnt in that moment when you really seen, like... Like, as you said, your eye opened and when you're really thrust into that, what is it that you learned about yourself in that moment, Tony? Yeah, so, I, you know, it's really like, just, wow, this is amazing. It's like, this is different. And then it was like, how do I cope with this? And then what? how do I, 
Um, I just take it in, just let it sort of wash over me, and and then it's like, so this is what this is what culture in a completely different environment and cultures like in a third world country where um, systems don't work and there's open drainages and broken pavements and people begging on the streets and it's like wow um, so I just sort of took it all in really and try to try to absorb it and try to like you know what does it mean and and all that kind of stuff what what's what would you see as the biggest lesson that you've had from traveling I think the biggest lesson I've had from traveling is that um, that we're all different but we're all the same and those differences don't matter. When I first went travelling, I thought people would come up and look after me and help me because I was blind and, and take pity on me. And through travelling, I realised that people wanted to help me and be with me because I'm a cool guy and they like my company. Yeah, I love that. And you are as well, you are cool. Yeah. Well, where's the next, what's the next place you're planning so, on going? So um, I'm off to Greece for a couple of weeks to see my Greek girlfriend. And then after that, I'm hoping to go to Algeria. I'm waiting for a visa. I went down to London, uh, put my visa in this week. And then um, uh, that'll be sort of beginning of December. And I come back um, at Christmas with my family. They live in Western Supermare. Um, it's about an hour from here, from Timoth. And then next year, I'm planning a trip sort of northeast Africa, start in Egypt, work my way down through Sudan, Eritrea, quite challenging sort of countries, desert countries and very poor um, situations again and uh, so I'm just finding people on, on the internet couch surfing. So I tend to do this uh, couchsurfing.com where you can stay with people for free and just sort of share a meal and share your experiences and just see how the real people live. Because staying in hostels and hotels is okay but you tend to meet tourists rather than local people. And oh, it's yeah. the local people I want to meet. It's the real experience, the real culture. So that's what I'll be doing sort of between February and May next year. Well, is my, my goal is to visit every country in the world. And I'm just over halfway. That's cool. I and then um, wow. I've obviously got, um, I published a couple of e-books about a blind guy traveling the world, um, seeing the world my way and seeing the Americas my way. And um, the first books were sort of my, my young, why a blind guy would want to go and see the world and how I started. And then my second books are sort of more more sober experience of more mature experience. And then so I'm promoting them as I travel and then working on my next one. Yeah. Is there any other experiences that, any experiences of you travelling that really stick out in your mind? Other, other experiences? So, say that again? Any other experiences that stick out in your mind in regards to travelling? Um... My first bungee jump was quite a, a yeah, unique experience. I was in the middle of nowhere in New Zealand. There were two guys and a dog watching. And I'm on this bridge. And they're like, Tony, we tie your ankles together and <laughs> we push you to the edge. And then we take out your and edge, hit you three times, and you fall forward. You better hope they tied your legs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So it was like, one, two, three, and I fell forward. And I'm dropping and dropping and dropping. And it's like, bang! My whole body explodes as the bungee jump recoils. like... Woohoo! And a few expletives, and then I'm bouncing again, and I'm, oh, this is incredible. <laughs> this whole energy like goes through my body, and it's like, woo! And I'm swinging around, and then they, um, they told me before that when it stops, they'd sort of lower me into a boat, and I had to grab this pole, 
and they're lowering me, lowering me down, lowering me down, and suddenly, bang, I get whacked on the head with this pole, and I managed to grab it, and they pulled me in and landed on this boat. Wow, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was thrilling, and then I did it again another five or six times. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to see how many times did you do it. <laughs> I've done it 17 times now, Whoa. but on that first trip, I did it six times. And it was pretty cool. And I also skydived, which I, I recommend for anyone. And I went with um, I went with this other instructor, so he um, cause he said, oh, so how, how can you, how do you know when you're going to reach the ground if you can't see? I said, oh, well, he, this guy pulled the chute, it was all right. So, <laughs> so he so drop out this plane. There's two of us, and it, it's like surfing but on air instead of water. And we're spinning round and round like this, yeah. and then they're dropping and dropping and dropping, and then. I managed to get me breathing all right, and then suddenly it pulls the chute, and I went from like a horizontal position to a vertical position, and like just jerked upright, oh, like sitting in the middle of the air over Australia, and then um, it gave me the um, the pulley thing for the uh, the parachute, and, and I'm swinging across the sky, and it's like oh wow, it's so peaceful, and then eventually he like, tapped me on the shoulder, right, we're coming in to land, get your legs up. And then we're coming in, and we're coming in, and it was sort of swooping around, and then and we land on me bum and, suit, and sort of slide across the sand. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. Is there any other crazy things you want to do like that? Um, I'd like to I'd like to ski. I've never skied on um on snow, so I'd like to try snow skiing. And apparently, you can do it with like audio stuff. You wear headphones, and instructor sort of skis behind you. So left, right, look out for the tree. So that'd be <laughs> kind of cool. Um. I'd maybe try ice ice climbing, like ice rock climbing. I've done a lot of rock climbing and abseiling when I was a kid, um, around sort of Somerset area and that, and caving. So I did all that, and I, I like um, sea kayaking and, and rafting. Um, I nearly drowned rafting in uh, in Zambia. Wow. Um, There's this huge river, and I hit this rapid, because they're different levels, one to five, and five's the most sort of biggest. Yeah. And we're sort of halfway down this rapid. We've been rafting all day, and... I got too high up and it hit me in the in the stomach and I went over. So it was basically like in the middle of this rapid going up and down, up and down, a bit like being in a washing machine. <laughs> and I eventually managed to get on my back and float out. And then the next boat came down um, behind the boat I'd been and ran me over. <laughs> so, so I got pushed under for a second time. So I eventually come out. I must have drank half the river and they pulled me into the boat. So that was pretty, um, <laughs> was pretty crazy. Um, but I love all that because you're feeling it all. You know, for, for me being a blind person, you need to feel everything. I do. Um, so yeah, anything like that. I love adrenaline. Um, I did this thing in New Zealand called zorbing. I don't know if you've heard about yeah, it. Have, yeah, you get yeah. put yeah, in a big, big ball. football, yeah, yeah, and they roll you down a hill. But I complained. I said the hill wasn't steep enough. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> I love that. I'll tell you, I just love hearing your stories, and I think what's fascinating is, yeah. like, I mean. What would you tell someone, right, Tony, that's that's afraid to even leave the house? Not like even if they don't have a disability, they just don't want to. They just love this little hermit lifestyle. What would you say to that person? Um, I just say to them that, um, yeah, the world can be scary and and things can be difficult and challenging. Um, particularly when it's the same challenge every day, day in day out. That's the hardest thing. What I would say that try and keep things as simple as possible and take one step at a time um, to try and um, you know just have a go just take that first step and once you take that first step 
the first difficult step, then the second step, and the first step, and the fourth step do become easier. Easier, um, and I'm not just saying that. I'm I'm telling you from experience. Um, yeah, the world's a difficult place, and it can be challenging, but with the right support and help, you can live your dreams and overcome your challenges. Good place to wrap up. I think that's the Paul, best Paul, podcast I've ever Thank you so much, Tony, oh, honestly. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much. What a podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, that was such a good conversation with Tony Giles. Really is such an interesting guy and really somebody, in my opinion, who understands his weaknesses but actually turns them into strengths. And he's living a life on his terms and he's not letting his condition or anything else hold him back. Really interesting. And I remember after we did this podcast with Tony on the drive back when me and Chris were driving back, there's sometimes when me and Chris do these conversations, we could be traveling five hours or six hours or sometimes seven or eight hours around the UK from where we're currently based. And a lot of times what we try to do is we try to sort of get a couple of guests in the same area to make to make the most of our time. And sometimes these drives, especially on the way back after we've had a full day of doing podcast conversations and been traveling all over on little sleep and on little food, <laughs> we um, sometimes struggle on the way back of the drive. We're struggling to stay awake when we're driving. I know it's dangerous, but we're struggling to stay back. Uh, we're struggling to drive back and we're always thinking, oh God, it can't be bothered to drive this far back. But after this conversation with Tony Giles, I must say this was one of the easiest drives home that me and Chris have ever done. The energy and the vibes in our minds and how much gratitude we had after hearing the story of Tony and what he's gone through and how he deals with every single situation and finds gratitude in everything really does give you a shift in your life. So anyway, that drive was probably the most easiest drive that me and Chris have ever done. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the podcast, you can do that for our Patreon page or one-off donation option. That's all I have to say anyway. Love you all and we'll catch you next week where we have another amazing podcast as always. Peace.